The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode of Mothership with Steph and Noli. We are so excited, you guys. We have a, an awesome guest. I'm so thankful had made time for us to talk story tonight. Um, her name is Melinda Chinan. She is a certified life and grief coach who works with burnt out high achievers in demanding service-oriented professions. She has helped countless people throughout the United States and internationally, you guys, um, empower their deepest desires and create lives where they have fulfilling relationships, enriching professions, and an unwavering sense of self-trust. In addition, Melinda is passionate about normalizing grief, and therefore her soul has found even more meaning coaching people who are burnt out from grieving. It's her fundamental belief that to live well, we must grieve well. And of course, I, you know, guys, I think that this is such an important topic and uh, service that Melinda is providing, especially during these trying crazy, crazy world that we're living in right now, right, everyone? So yeah. girls, if you can help me welcome Melinda, she hails from Mililani High School, is joining oh, us Jay. from San Diego. Oh. San Diego! Oh, Jens, home of the red dirt, Ilani. <laughs> Welcome, hey. Melinda, Chinan, yeah, to Mothership. You, yeah. yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank I need to talk to you. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so grateful. Wow, that was a really, really, really detailed introduction. And I'm just so curious about, you know, how you help people, because Brooke kind of told us in the introduction, but can you explain more about grief coach what is that all about yes wow so it's okay i to be completely honest for the longest time when people would ask like what do i do as a coach i i didn't even know how to explain it to them because it's such a experiential experience i would i would say like go watch the movie soul from disney that's like the best way i could put it um the thing that i help people to do if I were to summarize it, is I help them to actually feel alive in their life um, so that they have access to joy and, and love. And when we numb our grief, well, I think first we live in a grief denying world, right? So when we feel pain or grief, we think something's wrong and then we shut it down. But really like when we numb those hard emotions, we also numb our capacity to know joy and love, right? So like, mm that's the thing that like I, I love coaching because I get to really help people realize how powerful they are and that they can create the life they want but also it's it's like a huge part of that is learning to be with the hard emotions so that you can actually lean into the vulnerability of joy and um yeah it's, it's been such a crazy journey as to how I ended up grief coaching but it's I feel right at home with it 
Yeah, I, I feel like that's not a profession that I hear about all too often. Um, and I mean, how did how did you even get into grief coaching? I mean, you said that you were surprised. How, how did it all happen for you? Um, okay, well, I will say I loved, I've always loved grief, not the experience of grief, but I, you know, when there's just been like little breadcrumbs throughout your life from when you were young and you don't like realize until much later, like, oh, that's always been there. Right? Like, I always liked being with people who were dying and I liked uh, the book, The Wheel of Life by Kubler-Ross. Um, when my best friend passed away, like that was a grief that I just did not know was possible. And so I think like, I always knew in some capacity, like, wow, I want to work with people who are grieving. And I didn't know I could do it through coaching until I actually like looked for a certification and was like, oh my gosh, what a time to be alive. Cause this is a thing. Um, so yeah, it was just like a no brainer. Like I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to get certified and actually doing it and being with people who are grieving is, uh, it's, it's just the honor of my life. Yeah. Melinda, I know you, you, you mentioned, um, this is so interesting to hear that you love grief. It's just such a hard thing for human beings to wrap their head around. And there's something in your life that happened that, that probably made you go this path. Can you give us that, that background on how you got to this place and yeah, your journey here? That's such a great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Well, I'll, I'll say, first of all, I was, I said before this podcast, I told someone like, oh, I love grief. And then I was like, oh my gosh, is that like a crazy thing to say? Um, but no, yeah, I'm really working on owning it. I, because uh, I don't want to dilute how painful it is. So um, really my first taste of a grief that was so unimaginable was when my best friend Paige uh, battled cancer and then passed away. And um, we were best friends from birth. Like our moms were teachers at Nanakui and they were, yeah, just best friends that thought their kids were gonna grow up together and also have their own kids. And so she was like my soul sister. And um, she battled cancer for a solid year and it was one of those things where she had so much hope and like, uh, what's it called? She, she completely surrendered to the universe and to God, but she had so much hope that she was like, please fight with me. Like, please don't even entertain the idea that like, I have a very serious cancer. Um, ride with me till, till, till the end, or you know what I mean? The best case scenario was not, there wasn't going to be an end. And so, uh, that woman, like, even though she was dying, she came alive and she knew exactly what she wanted out of life. And I was just in awe of her for this whole year and then was with her the last three days of her life and seeing someone die, like just never, it doesn't like leave you. Um, I don't know if, have you ladies like, uh, like seen someone die or been with them? Yes, yes, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, um, it's not everyday experience. It's definitely not something you can prepare for. And, um, 
you don't know what to do. Um, uh, you don't know how to act. Uh, it's you don't know when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just there. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm only referring to an experience that I had when I was really young. So and I saw my cousin pass away from uh, ovarian cancer. So and that was my very first time, you know, seeing that happen um, at a hospice. And as a young girl, I had no clue. I had no clue, you know, how to be there for her or, or even what was going on or um, even prepared to see what I was going to see because, you know, the first thing you notice is that person's not the same vibrant, full of life person. It's like they're in a state where they're dying. And I think that's something that you have to brace yourself for. And that's something that I wasn't prepared for, but um, yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't characterize it as a pleasant experience, of course, but I mean, it's just definitely something that um, you can, uh, I guess the way that you see it, you could also find a quiet place within both of yourselves and be together with each other and reassure each other that you are there for them and vice versa. Yeah. Yes, really well put. It is a painful and yet holy experience that's indescribable I, I think everyone has their own experience right but what you know for sure is life is so much bigger than you you know what I mean like the the tiny things you worry about just sift away mm -hmm. right and like all that you're really present to is like wow there's not a right or wrong way to do life at the end of the day if you have life gosh you have so much and so that was the impression she left on me. And the thing I didn't realize was you go back to your life from a loss like that and you think you can just carry on, right? And you'll cry here and there. And I thought I would feel her and I didn't feel her for like a long time. And what I didn't know was like, I was grieving, but because we don't live in a world that like really teaches you how to be with it, you just kind of think you're going crazy <laughs> or you're just, um, like you just I, at least for me I constantly thought like something was wrong or I was doing it wrong like oh, I don't feel her that feels wrong um oh I'm happy that feels wrong I'm you know I'm angry I'm I'm numb and those are all actually symptoms of grief and I just I, I suppressed it for like a whole year so my journey my my grief I got to know very vulnerably and it really wasn't until I learned how to be with it and develop a relationship with it did I realize that like it was just asking for my attention it just wanted to be acknowledged and um so yeah that was like the big experience that really taught me that it was a big breadcrumb that led me here Gosh, I just want to hear more about though how how you can make sense of it because it seems like the way that you explain it it's very clear to you but for the average person uh, who doesn't know how to process it, um, whether it be because of society's fault for not acknowledging grief and dealing with it properly, what is the proper way to deal with it then? Proper way to deal with it. Um, first, there isn't one because it is, it's a journey that everyone surrenders to at the right time, even if they don't touch it for like six years, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
But when grief brings you to your knees, it's because it's designed to, right? So the thing that someone can do if they have any ounce of grief or loss is um, express it, right? So like, that's so much of what grief coaching is. It's like, I'm just the space for someone to lose it because we don't really give people that space, right? And when people realize that they can just be with their grief, they're no longer making it wrong or life right or wrong. And then from that place, they get to have some power back. You know, they can choose um, next steps or like, oh, wow, I, this made me realize I really want to uh, reach out to so-and-so. I want to write a letter to the person who passed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, there's no formula, but it's, the, the magic is just about being with it. And I, I think I, I love that you said that because I think there's so much wisdom in what you just said. So I don't want us to skim over that is that the true, the power is, is in the holding the space to allow grief to be seen and felt and heard, right? In whatever way it comes out and everyone's gonna be different, right? Because every person's different, every situation is different. And um, yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that. Then when I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, that's so true though. It just, it just wants to be seen, right? It just wants to be acknowledged. It's cut from the same cloth of love. Have you ever tried to like stifle your love? And it's just so draining actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do believe like the best things in life are the things we surrender ourselves to. Hmm. Truth. That is so true when you put it like that and bring it to the front. Love, grief, all these emotions. You have to embrace yeah. them, right? But grief yeah. is the hardest one. I mean, I think, right? What do you guys think? It's the hardest thing because like Melina said, no one talks about it. No one, no one gives you a heads up. Hey, kids, you're going to be one day. You will experience this. No one can avoid it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. And I think that now that I, you know, I'm older now, and unfortunately, I've, you know, had those experiences where I've had to say goodbye or um, had the experience, and I actually see it as an opportunity to get the heads up. Uh, if someone that I am close to is dying, and we have an opportunity to visit them, you know, and I, I see that as a good thing, we can be with them and, you know, by their side one last time. And the way that you say that, you know, it really makes everything else in the world that doesn't matter disappear is so true. And that is something that I've learned, um, you know, through those experiences as I've gotten older, you know, I, when I'm at the bedside uh, with that person, um, all of a sudden, it's so true, like, I could be stressed out from work, but then all of a sudden, you don't even give one second of thought to that anymore. You're just really focused on just you and the person, you and that person's life, um, all that that person has done in this world, their, the beauty, everything. That's just pretty much what you're focused on. It's just your, your experience with them, that, that final moment. So, yeah. yeah, that's so beautifully put. I think that's all we want. It's like, we want a certain experience of life, right? And that's why we keep and keep like pouring into certain relationships is 
they add to that experience of life, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to ask you too, Melinda, I'm curious, and I wanted you to share a little bit about how I know you, um, one part of your work is also, you have a passion for helping people who are terminally ill, you know, and that's, and, and can you talk about that? And also lessons that you've learned from, from those experiences? Cause I'm sure there's a lot in that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for asking Brooke. I, I think the dying have so much to teach us, right? Like life doesn't end for them. If anything, they're just like more presently aware, like how precious life is. Um, so Brooke and I were in the same like BNI group, but the thing that I had shared, you know, when I was sharing about grief coaching was that for most people who are terminally ill, it comes down to three things, um, relationships, purpose, and spirituality, right? So like the thing I was really inspired by when Paige was dying was yeah, her life came down to those three things. Those were the things that she really wanted to like empower. And, uh, you know, she was like, Linda, let's start a podcast. And uh, will you go with me here? Like, let's go to India. Or like, I really want to create a wellness center. Like she, had, she just knew. Um, and it, it, the unfortunate part was, you know, there was just no space for her to actually like create anything or dream anything because she was just fighting the cancer. And so, you know, like the thing I'm really inspired by and want to give back is the people who um, are struggling with a terminal illness or just any, any illness and they don't want their life to stop either, right? Like they want to pour purpose into something, you know? And even maybe it's like, I want to repair the relationship with my mom right? Or I don't know, create like an art project or something. That's the thing I really want to support them with is still feeling like they have power in their life and they can use it and um, be with the grief of like grieving the life they thought they would have, you know, so they can create the one they, they are meant to. Um, So yeah, that's like, it really like makes me giddy, which probably seems crazy. Um, but I really just do think the dying has so much to teach us in that way. Yeah. That's, that it's, it's, <laughs> I think that you're giddy because you get it. And I think you're giddy because you're, you're very rich and very, you know, filled with these experiences. Um, and it, it's, it's such a gift to, to be able to receive that and to, to have, um, and it, it kind of reminds me of because my dad used to volunteer at a hospice and he would be there to comfort those that didn't have family members, um, you know, so he was there with them until their last day. Um, but uh, I wanted to back up because I was listening to you talk about what you help them with and how they have so many lessons to teach us. And I remember, I think it was going viral. It was like all over the internet, but it was a long time ago, but it was something about like um, something that the dying will teach you. Uh, And it's something about like, you know, never taking 
things for granted, you know, that was like one of the biggest ones and don't wait till the last moment to say, tell somebody that you love them. Um, and I wanted to know since you've um, maybe experienced those moments of times where they've shared something that personal with you, were there any life lessons that they shared with you that you were very wow about? I'm trying to think. Um, okay, well, first of all, that's so weird. You're the second person to bring up that article that came out about that in like one week to me. So I should probably go revisit that. Um, <laughs> I, the one that I'm really present to is, and it's, it's universal, but it's, it hit different because it, it's so simple. Um, I was with, I was with a, a woman who, I forget what type of like respiratory condition she had, but she couldn't really breathe. And she, so background story, I was also a social worker and a, I have a lot of experience caregiving. So I was with her in her grief, but I was also, um, kind of caregiving her. Like I kind of knew what to do and to, I wasn't afraid to touch her and like support her. Um, and she was just mumbling a lot. And I remember actually at the time I was just really worried, like, is she comfortable? Is she okay? And then the thing that she had mustered to me was, um, like everything's gonna be okay. Like I know I'm gonna return to love and it's always, it's gonna be fine. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's like a nice concept. <laughs> but I, it wasn't until she actually passed where I was like, oh wow. Like that's, that really is the only thing that's true, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and even Paige, actually when I look back, Paige said something really similar uh, even when she was fighting for her life, she was like, it's like, it's, it's okay. It's just okay. Um, so yeah, those are memories I remember. Is there, uh, can I answer your question? Or is there like, you did no, yeah, you did. And I mean, if I could share one that my dad told me, he said, yeah. um, he learned, um, I mean, generally, generally, I don't think one person specifically told him this, but then, and he also um, found it in a book somewhere and he Xerox copied it and he gave it to me but um, don't sweat the small stuff like I mean it's just that simple um, and he just said you know um, when you're gone things will continue things will carry on even though you're not there but while you're here don't sweat the small stuff mm -hmm. yeah. oh wow that's great actually you reminded me there was a man who once said to me I really wish I let myself have more fun. Yeah. That's, cool. um, gosh, I have so many questions. Like, okay, like one is, um, first of all, Melinda, are you, like, do you believe in, like, in afterlife or, or what, where do you think Paige, you know, goes to and maybe that gives us hope for people who pass. It's not finite, right? They're still with us. Like, what do you believe about that? Can you share a little bit about your beliefs? Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so vulnerable and I love it. Uh, 
I really do think there is a place that we go, call it heaven, call it love. Um, it's at, okay, actually, can I share something that's kind of crazy from my days in college? Okay, so I was learning a lot about like near-death experiences because I'm reading about Keebler-Ross and her work with it. And a lot of the uh, research that she did from people who had near-death experiences, so they were medically dead, but then came back, was that they experienced this profound um, knowing that like love is the only thing that's real. Like it's just truly profound love. Um, so I read that book, I'm like, cool, go to, <laughs> go to college. And the second day I'm there, I meet a girl my age who has a tattoo that says RIP and then a date. And um, I ask her like on the side, we're kind of chit-chatting. I'm like, oh, what is like, what is that tattoo? And she said, oh, this is the day that I died. And what had happened was she was hit by a car on a family trip um, in Italy. And it was just like the worst nightmare, right? She was instantly um, pronounced dead, but she actually saw her body like on the ground and saw like what was happening. And she didn't feel any pain. She just was like, wow, okay, like this is happening. And she was slowly like leaving earth. And she said that the thing that she remembers feeling was just the most profound sense of unconditional love, like better than any love she'd ever felt on earth. And that she just wanted to keep going. But something had said to her, like, you have a choice. It's not your time. So do you want to go back? And she was like, no, I don't want to go back. But then she saw her mom and her sister, like, you know, still really grieving and like freaking out. And instantly the thought of them had her right, had her go right back into her body. Um, and so like she ended up, you know, being in the hospital and they didn't think she was actually going to be able to walk again because she was paralyzed on one side. And when I had met her, her arm um, was still paralyzed, mm. but she had described to the doctors and her family, everything that they, that she saw. And they were like, there's no way you could have known that. Um, but from then on, she was like, well, whatever happens from here is, is cake. Like, I feel like I have proof that I'm going to be just fine. Only love is real. So, you know, just the synchronicity of reading the book, meeting her, her confirming that I was like, whatever is past this world, um, I have complete trust in, you know, so. You know what, Melinda, I feel like we need more love right about now, like during these times. I mean, it's very stressful, you know, with, with COVID and, you know, the case counts and um, just hearing about what's happening around the world and um, people losing jobs. I mean, this is definitely a time where people are grieving in their own ways and hoping that maybe you can offer any sort of advice on how to cope with these times for a lot of people who are dealing with it and don't, don't really know how to make sense of it. And I, I, I think that people are just kind of just going through the motions, you know, living life because there's so much uncertainty that they're just in this mode where they don't care anymore, right? So I'm just hoping that you can offer some advice to a lot of those folks who are listening right now. Two things came to mind. Um, one was really notice when you judge what you feel and when you label emotions that are good or bad, 
right? Like there's actually, we put more heartache on ourselves when we judge what we experienced and your emotions just need to breathe, right? They're like, they keep your pulse. Otherwise, if you numb your emotions, you're just a sedated robot um, on this earth. <laughs> Second thing is community and support is everything. Um, even as a coach, I've learned like we are, anytime we go outside our comfort zone, we're not reliable without support structures. So, you know, I, I, Hawaii, I'm so grateful for the culture, but like largely in America, there's like a very individualistic um, culture and attitude. And if you can lean even just 2% outside of your automatic of how you receive and let in support, it will make a world of a difference, right? So find the people that you feel safe with, even if you just have one person or two people and um, really look to see like, what am I robbing myself of by not like leaning into support and love from others? Do you see signs that people are not recognizing their feelings as much as they should, more so now than before? I think it's always been there, you know, but I think the challenging events that have occurred the last couple of years really show us um, how hardened and um, um, automatic numbing is, you know? So I think it's really human to be scared of your own emotions and just kind of live in survival mode. But I think with the resources and just the industries that are, you know, coming about, like there's a shift in surviving to thriving that like we're really worthy of actually leaning into wherever we are. So that's the thing I want to empower is um, what you're going through is normal and you actually can rewire and find, you know, safety in your nervous system and, and just your life. But obviously it takes a lot of time to, to be truthful with your emotions, right? I mean, it's not gonna happen overnight. <laughs> Again, another American cultural trait that we think <laughs> works is like rushing it. And no, it's, it's slow, it's embodied. And um, yeah, it's just about being patient. Yeah. And I think with anything too, it's, it's like trying to rewire habits though, right? And how we've been programmed to numb out really quick and make sure everything's okay and come on, right? That's just the, you know, Asian, Japanese, right? Um, but I think that that's just trying to unwire that. And it's just learning to create new habits around being okay with it and not labeling different emotions as good or bad. And I think it's so important that there's an industry and, and coaches like yourself that are out here getting certified and have experience to be able to do this and help just help people walk through it and know it's okay. The other thing I wanted to ask, one of the which stuck with me from a previous conversation we had too, is just for our listeners is that, you know, we've been talking about the really tragic um, and the loss and the, and, and the really, really hard things too, right? But what stuck with me also is that there's a, it's also, grieving can also occur because we're in a pandemic, we're in an economic crisis, but be, even, and also it can occur with the quote-unquote good events that happen sometimes, right? And can you speak to that? Because when you said that, it, it, it instantly normalized it for me. Like, for example, um, 
remembering feeling, you know, we're having our second child and then having a, a tinge of like, oh, I feel, I felt guilt or some grief about not being able to spend as much solo time with my firstborn, you know, just as a new mom. And those are all happy things, right? Um, can you speak to that just so our listeners can understand that it's okay and it's normal because I think that's super important. Yes. Wow. Thanks for bringing that up, Brooke. And I love your vulnerability. It is, yeah, grief is just anything that is um, a change in what we get comfortable in, right? So even in happy experiences like giving birth or getting married, moving to a, a, a home that you wanted, but also there's a loss. Um, that's, that's what I mean by like, when we judge hard emotions, we really don't make space for like the authentic, authentic experience that we may feel. And oftentimes it's that we can feel both the joy and sadness in the same hand, right? We just look at feeling so exclusively and like we really rob our wholeness when we do that. Um, so yeah, any experience that you think is happy or should just be purely joyful might very commonly come with sadness and pain and it's completely fine. Yeah, it's the more you just acknowledge it, if that's all it needs. How, like, so I love that because there's, it sounds like there's a way to do that. I just wanna know like, so when you feel that grief hit um, initially, what, what can you tell yourself like, is there a mantra that you can just, like, guide yourself through to, to, to handle and to cope, you know? Because say, mm-hmm. like, um, say our kids go to college and it's so hard. That's, this is the happy grief, right? And they leave and they're gone and you're, you, you feel empty and you feel grief. <laughs> yeah. And it sucks, <laughs> right? It, it hurts. It, it hurts inside. It's a, it's a good thing, but it causes you pain. What can someone tell themselves when they're in pain, whether it be a happy pain or, or a, a grieving, you know, a sad pain? Mm. What do you advise that people can just put in their heads as a mantra every day to just move one step forward? You know? The thing that came to me when you said that or asked that was, I don't even know if it's so much about what we say to ourselves as much as what we allow to come out. Right? So like the question I would ask someone who is, you know, directly asking me is, what's the most honest thing you could say right now about your experience? And then let it rip, right? That's like, and it's like, I feel sad. I, I, I don't, I'm, well, the first thing probably I would say, if, so I'm thinking ahead of my kids go to when they go to college, I'm like, I miss them. I'm so sad. I feel empty. And then, then how do I be stronger, I guess, after that. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing about emotions that I think is a really radical thing to say, but I, I don't think I'm the only person to say it. Um, we try so hard to fix the emotion just because it's so uncomfortable to be with. And actually the real work comes from how much can we just allow ourselves to feel it without believing anything's wrong. Right, so just, like, and, and I think, what was that? Like sit with it and just realize yeah. it and accept it. And don't identify with it. 
right? Like, how, how it, does that? It's like, not just, you. That's just you, your emotion. Like, what do you say to them? It's all good. It's okay. It's meant to be, kind of thing. Or mm. I don't know. I just mentally, I kind of need more help. I think <laughs> to, to visualize <laughs> and to verbalize in my mind, like how to come come through this barrier that makes you feel so junk for the first two steps even that's the hardest right like how do you even get what do you tell yourself or what do you tell your clients like how to even just sit with it how do you do that okay I will say I think that there's an element of like uh when we're growing up and we're not like taught that emotions are safe right there's just like a automatic coping mechanism we we create to to feel safe you know and so sometimes like it could be rooted in trauma right and if that's the case there may be like therapeutic services that really help someone build resiliency and safety in the discomfort um but it's I don't even know how to explain it. it's not quite like a formula as much as it is like just a practice of like oh when I'm uncomfortable and I feel empty inside my automatic is to do this right and it's just catching the automatic like oh I'm not a piece of poop just because I feel empty interesting okay right and then like leaning into I don't know what sources you um is maybe something like I, I propose, but Brooke, do you like have anything that you would add? Like <laughs> from what from learning from you, I I think it's um, also when Noli's going like what came to me was when she's saying like I'm feeling it. How do I? I think the answer is to to let it like open the aperture and let it be, and and truly just let yourself feel it. And if it means ugly cry, and be super sad that she's off to college then do it like a lot it's okay like allow it and really let it let it like fully fully feel it and let it let it and even notice in your body where where you're feeling it and letting that part speak too if you have to and even writing a letter or something but just or doing art because you're art you're so artful noli too as is melinda um but i you know i'm just finding a way to get it to really not to get it out to release it and let it be heard and let it and let it be with you, and not try to resist it. If that yeah. makes any sense, that's what came to me when when you're doing that motion. And like the uglier it is, probably the better you're grieving. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is a small example, but I knew I was really letting myself be. Um, I was in Hawaii for a year during quarantine, and then I was. I, I moved back with my boyfriend to San Diego, but in the last month I was home, I was so devastated because I had reconnected with Hawaii in a way like I'd never had. So I was crying every day, like just the most random things like the mountains, my bird, a talk with my dad. I just would break down and uh, Thankfully, like my people in my life know me and like just I just cry all the time. So <laughs> they didn't make it weird, right? But the thing I was present to was like, whoa, like I'm letting myself lose it whenever it came up and then I could be with it. It always passes through. Mm-hmm. 
And then you, you recognize like, oh, if I can make space for that, like I can lean into joy, love, the happy moments. I feel like it's about peeling away all those layers and just getting down to the nitty gritty and the rawness and the realness of it and not hiding from it and just sitting there with it you know and that that takes a lot of confidence and courage to just meet it head on and you can meet it head on but then you'll want to escape pretty fast or you want to feel better pretty fast and I think it, it's it's that challenge that people who would like to deal with it, would just, just need to find that inner peace and just say, okay, today's the day that I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to just be at peace. And then I'm going to start recognizing and, and thinking about what is it that I'm feeling? And just, I don't need to have the answer right now, but I'm going to sit here for as long as I can <laughs> to recognize my feelings. And I think, mm -hmm. I think you may, might start feeling a little bit better after that if you're just truthful with yourself that, hey, things are not feeling right right now. And I do sense it's some sort of grief um, instead of just rushing off to do another errand to make myself feel better or go shopping. I'm going to actually sit here and be with it right now and just recognize that I'm going through this. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It is. It's just life so dynamic. Right. And like it's we're fooling ourselves when we think we should only feel good. And um, even another emotion I think that's really hard is like is shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Right. And Brene Brown always says, like, the one thing that shame can't survive is empathy. Right. So like there have been times where I'm kind of going on autopilot and I I'll, I'll catch it and then I'll like call my friend and be like, hey, I. I'm like running away from something that I feel actually really ashamed about. Like you have the space for me to talk about it. And then it's just the same things with, with grief, right? Like airing it, realizing it's safe to feel it. And it's uh, actually like, it can be a gift to be that challenged. It's, I'm just going to say something. You kind of remind me of my sister in a way <laughs> because well, she kind of like, um, uh, you know, does academic counseling, but in that regard, she also is there to listen to what students are going through. And um, when they're, you know, making the step from the transition from high school to college, there it's like very scary for them. They have so much questions. And then she's kind of like you, where she's like, okay, tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> Let's just, you know, start there. And it's just kind of interesting just to hear you just saying that, but, but what I was also getting to is that, you know, it, I, I feel like you're a special person that, you know, we, we need um, people like you that are willing to offer this service because I feel like it's kind of a rare, rare service um, or, you know, ability. And I think you do have the ability, like you have it, that gift to, to recognize and to see and I think it's just beautiful that you're able to help people, you know, um, make sense of their, uh, you know, situation and what they're going through and, and improve their lives. I think that's, that's just really great. That's, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I don't know if Brooke mentioned, but we do like to end our podcasts with an inspirational quote. And do you have one to share with us? I do. And actually it's from, it's from my holy grail, my book. It's uh, The Wheel of Life by Kubler-Ross. 
this is the book that like started it all for me at 15. Um, okay, bear with me. It's a little, it's, it's slightly maybe like a minute. All of us, when we were born from the source, which I call God, were endowed with a facet of divinity. That is what gives us knowledge of our immortality. You should live until you die. No one dies alone. Everyone is loved beyond comprehension. Everyone is blessed and guided. It is very important that you do only what you love to do. You may be poor, you may go hungry, you may live in a shabby place, but you will totally live. And at the end of your days, you will bless your life because you have done what you came here to do. The hardest lesson to learn is unconditional love. Dying is nothing to fear. It can be the most wonderful experience of your life. It all depends on how you have lived. Death is but a transition from this life to another existence where there is no more pain and anguish. Everything is bearable when there is love. My wish is that you try to give more people more love. The only thing that lives forever is love. And that's by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Holy smokes. I feel like, I know, I feel like that was like a prayer and like, church and like let's go holy <laughs> so so I good feel alive now i feel alive <laughs> let's live our best life starting today it's, that's <laughs> it was I, very I guess, reassuring it, it was is. very reassuring and and melinda i wanted just to tell you too that you know when i was um in, talking to you about to stephanoli um and just trying to, to describe you and it, the words that always come to me is like you're just sweet soulful heart-centered like beam of light that is able to help people deal with things that I think are in society are still really hard and I mm -hmm. and I we need more light and more people and more love like you to help the whole, entire world we need that especially now and um, thank you for helping to normalize what grieving is and for holding space for it because that's so valuable and so important so i i appreciate i'm so grateful to know you and i'm grateful you got to meet some of my best friends in the whole wide world too who are part of my support system so i'm just yeah just grateful that you all all get to meet thank you so much you all are such a gift and even the fact that we could have this like really deep beautiful uh, journey of a conversation uh just speaks to all of your vulnerability and power. So thank you so much. I wish, you know what, girls, Brooke and Steph, we need to have Melinda back again mm -hmm. to keep talking on this conversation because I think it's something really important that, you know, to talk story about and just to put it out there. And we need a thousand more Melindas in this world. And you gave us so much good insight. There's so much more like our, our time is limited, but um, what you brought to the table was huge like mind-opening mind-blowing and there's so much more I think we need to explore with this and um thank you so much for being who you are and doing what you're doing um it you know what the theme is love right so I always think of that that Beatles song all you need is love all mm -hmm. you need is love mm -hmm. da, 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 da. and love is all you need so but let's have one of the back yeah, you know what, Melinda, I feel like I had, um, I feel like I had LASIK all over again, and now I can see clearly. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like seriously, like listening to your inspirational quote. Um, you know that that was more than an inspirational quote. I don't even think it fits in that category. That was more like you know a life eye-opening chapter, like you know from that you bookmarked. And I feel very special that you shared that with us. I mean, that was very powerful and very you know eye-opening. And just want to let you know that just by you being here, you really made a difference in in the way that I. Uh, can envision things and and see things and also will try to deal with things later on. So, um, and I feel that you probably did the same with a lot of our listeners. So just, you know, thank you so much for for your time, uh, for your gift and and for your presence and your being and your knowledge and your love being here on the mothership. But that's going to do it for us guys. And, um, you know, we extend our love to everybody and our listeners out there. And um, shout out to James. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, James. Hi, James. Thanks for listening to us. Also, wait, one last thing, too. How can people find you, Melinda? You know, people need need your support. How can they find you? Yeah, um, Instagram. My handle is at Melinda Chinen. And my website is melindachinencoaching.com. Right on. That's uh, Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A, and Chinen is C-H-I-N-E-N. I have a neighbor called Mr. and Mrs. Chinen, so maybe we'll have a talk about whether or not you guys are related or not. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> We'd love to talk with you again, but thank you yes. for being with us tonight. So yeah, awesome. thank you so much. Loves so much all love. around. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to The Mothership, and love to you guys out there. Peace, stay safe, and be well and take care of each other too and love on each other aloha everybody take care thank you melinda thank you melinda thank you ladies yes we're gonna break up